your children as much as I know that you do. Stand and speak and vote your conscience. Vote for candidates up and down the ticket who you trust to defend our freedom and to be faithful to the Constitution. Texas Senator Ted Cruz being booed off of stage at the Republican convention last night. Good morning to you. I'm Laura Weber Davis filling in for Stephen Henderson today. He'll be back next week and I'm co-hosting with Chuck Wilbur, former WDET news director and longtime public policy consultant. Chuck, uh, good day to you. Great to be with you, Laura. Plenty to talk about. Uh, Yeah. I'm I'm glad there isn't any shortage of subjects for us today. No, thanks to Ted Cruz, we have a particular subject to talk about. Mm Exactly. So if the first night of the Republican convention in Cleveland was defined by Melania Trump's uh, partial plagiarizing of Michelle Obama. Last night may serve to define the week as former presidential candidate Ted Cruz refused to endorse Donald Trump in his speech and then, as you heard, was booed off of stage. Can Donald Trump turn the focus around to a more serious or presidential tone? Does he need to? Is that even a requirement for him um, to gain popularity that he needs to win the presidency? Helping us to dissect that today is somebody we go to frequently because his analysis is so valuable to us. Tim Alberta is in Cleveland. He's the chief political correspondent for the National Review and one of the funniest tweeters that I follow on Twitter. Tim, welcome to the program. Good morning. How are you guys doing? So, Tim, I guess I want to know what time did you actually go to sleep last night? Because I feel like there'd be no shortage of stories that you would have to file. Um. You know, honestly, I don't, I probably 3, 3.30, something like that. It was a long night. Yeah, no kidding. We wanted to know if the insanity that was coming through the television last night or what seemed like disorganization really came through in the convention center or if that, if that was just much hay being made of, uh, you know, uh, uh, just a fun political spectacle. No, it was pure chaos inside the convention center. And what I was actually wondering is, is how it looked to people watching at home, because I was wondering, well, you know, to, to hear deafening boos inside the arena and to watch people shouting over each other and to see Ted Cruz effectively booed off stage, I, I wonder if people watching at home can, can fully appreciate just how, just how bad it was inside the arena. But yeah, but, but from my seat, uh, a couple of hundred feet away from the stage, uh, in the first deck of of the Quicken Loans Arena, it was it was brutal and it was chaotic and and it was uh, I've I've never seen anything like it uh, in in my time covering politics. Tim, it it seems you know spontaneous, obviously something of the moment, but it also seems now with a little twenty twenty hindsight to be a train wreck one can anticipate. Well, so the interesting thing is, you know, look, the, the, the Cruz folks knew that there was a risk here, and they knew that probably some folks were going to boo him. Um, the, the easy thing for him to do would have been to get up there and say, hey, you know, I'm going to take one for the team here, and, and uh, let me lend something of a, of a you know, tactic endorsement to, to, to Trump. Instead, he got up and delivered a speech that, you know, mentioned Trump by name just once, and that was to congratulate him on winning the nomination. And then he proceeded to give a speech about, you know, conservative principles and, and, and uh, you know, essentially launching his own, you know, 2020 campaign, as many people viewed it. And I think his own team would not dispute that. And in doing so, of course, uh, he elicited a pretty nasty backlash. Uh, and I, I, I think the scope of it and the intensity of it, the, the visceral nature of the reaction, 
is something that his team could not have anticipated. I just don't think that they were prepared for how ugly things got last night. But you're looking at it from the Cruz point of view. I guess let me turn that around to the Trump point of view. The Trump campaign managers could have anticipated this and could have realized that they didn't really have a commitment from Ted Cruz for a positive speech. And so why put him in such a prime speaking slot on unity night at the convention? It's a great question. Uh, I think that one would not have to... Uh, you know, I, I don't think that it's entirely far-fetched to buy into the idea or to, or, or to uh, buy into the theory that perhaps the Trump people, who are not fond of the Cruz people, per- perhaps they anticipated exactly this reaction last night, and they were happy to put Ted Cruz out there and to, and to let him take a licking on a, on a national stage in front of a primetime audience. Um, I, I don't know that that's the case. I, I have not had anybody in the Trump campaign confirm that to me, and I've been, I've been trying to have those conversations. But I do think that Trump, uh, you know, for, from everything I understand, Donald Trump made sort of a, a gentlemanly gesture here, made a, made a good faith offer to Ted Cruz to come and address the convention, despite the fact that Cruz had not endorsed him and had made pretty clear that he was not going to endorse him. Right. So... In that sense, the whole th- in that sense, it was a little bit bizarre to begin with because if Trump is this you know mm-hmm. grand negotiator, why would he allow somebody to come speak in prime time on Unity Night if that person was not going to endorse? So there's a lot of sort of bizarre moving parts, uh, and I'm sure that as time goes on, we'll probably hear more and more perspective from behind the scenes. But the big takeaway, obviously, is that you know nobody knows exactly how this impacts Cruz going forward, but it, there is no positive way to spin. The fact that you were essentially booed off stage right. with tens of millions of people watching during prime time of your party's national convention. I, you know, I guess it it struck me that there seemed to be such a sense that he should or should be, you know, the sort of compulsory needs to uh, endorse Donald Trump. He agreed to this pledge. The pledge was made before Donald Trump really dug into Ted Cruz. And the stuff that Donald Trump was saying about Ted Cruz on the campaign trail was so intensely personal, and it went into their family lives. He went after Heidi Cruz, Ted's wife, uh, um, some of the struggles that she's had in her personal life. It seemed so unfair from a personal standpoint. I don't—the thing that I I was left with last night is why do all these delegates who are booing him right now feel like he owes Donald Trump anything? I mean, if anything, he was making a pretty— um, a pretty uh, middle-of-the-road, nice, conservative speech that anybody could have been proud of if they were if they were just you know happy for the party, but instead focused on his need to endorse somebody who was so ugly to him on the campaign trail. I guess I was just surprised by that. Were you at all surprised by that reaction, the harshness of that reaction? <laughs> Well, look, a little bit, but I, I think we have to keep in mind that, you know, Ted Cruz is accepting a, a, an opportunity to speak at what is effectively Donald Trump's convention. Sure, his party. And mm-hmm. yeah. it, it, it's his party. And I think that, you know, I, there are plenty of delegates who would have completely understood if Ted Cruz just declined the invitation because he did not want 
to endorse Donald Trump because of everything you just mentioned. And I think there's lots of folks inside the party who understand perfectly well why Ted Cruz was not going to endorse Donald Trump for for political reasons, for ideological reasons, for personal reasons. I think that part of it makes sense. But when you accept an invitation to come and speak, there is sort of an unwritten agreement, there is an unspoken understanding that if not not offering an endorsement that you would at the very least perhaps pump up the crowd a little bit and talk about some shared areas of, 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 um, you know, some, some shared, you know, some, some overlap in terms of the Supreme Court and in terms Mm -hmm. of, you know, trade and in terms of immigration. I mean, there are some, some policy areas where Donald Trump and Ted Cruz overlap a great deal. So I think that the expectation was at the very least that, that Ted Cruz would have given Donald Trump a little bit of a boost in that way and sort of nudged the party towards a little bit of unity. And the interesting thing, of course, is that he started to do that by saying, look, don't stay home in November. And the audience started to go crazy because they were anticipating at that point that, that Cruz was going to segue into an endorsement. But right. instead, the very next thing out of Cruz's mouth was, vote your conscience this fall. And I think what happened is that that struck a lot of people as not a coincidental turn of turn of phrase sure. that, you know, vote your conscience was the sort of unofficial mantra of the never Trump anti-Trump rebellion that has been brewing for months. People saying that, you know, you should be able to vote your conscience as a Republican delegate. So right, for Cruz to use that exact yeah. language, I think, struck a lot of people as sort of an implicit salute to those efforts. Also sort of coming from a, a very gifted uh, speechifier, if you will. <laughs> uh, Ted Cruz is not new to the game of delivering speeches or uh, using words to his advantage, so he knew what he was saying. I want to um, push this out to listeners as well. We want to hear from you. What do you make of the convention? Did you watch last night? And what do you think of the the drama that was unfolding in the convention center last night? If you're a Republican, we also specifically want to hear from you because we want to no, if you if you had some reluctance over Donald Trump before, did Mike Pence win you over last night, or did Ted Cruz's refusal to endorse change your mind either way? Three one three five seven seven one zero one nine. Again, that's three one three five seven seven one zero one nine. Tim, uh, I wanted to ask you about a New York Times Magazine article that came out yesterday uh, that illustrated uh, a scene in which. John Kasich essentially was offered the VP role by Donald Trump's campaign with the caveat that he would also be the most powerful vice president in American history and be given complete control over both foreign and domestic policy, which would essentially make him president. Uh, What was the conversation going on at the convention center about that story, if at all? Yeah, you know there were there was some buzz about it, and I and I did read the piece. Um, you know, it, it's a little bit it's a little bit tricky that anecdote in particular because it's like the worst kept secret here that that, that the Kasich people hate the Trump people and the Trump right. people hate the Kasich people. So, you know, it, it doesn't take much uh, for you know to, to you don't exactly have to twist the arm of a Kasich advisor or a Kasich loyalist here in his home state of Ohio to get them to uh, to dish a little bit of dirt on Trump. So I think that, frankly, a, you know, a lot of people that I had, you know, some brief conversations with about it were sort of chalking it up to that a little bit. I, I don't think it was um, maybe the bombshell here, at least that I saw. I don't think it was necessarily the bombshell maybe that, that folks were, were making it out to be on, on Twitter or, or elsewhere. I mean, it was certainly very interesting, but 
um, you know, Paul Manafort, Trump's campaign chairman, essentially kicked off the convention on Monday morning right. by calling John Kasich an embarrassment and, and, and going right after the home state governor, which was as surreal as anything we've seen this entire week. So, um, you know, I, I think it was probably just sort of part and parcel of that entire feud that's been ongoing. Yeah, Tim, in mentioning that, I mean, you're really bringing up what looks to me like one of the three low points of the convention so far. The conflict with Kasich, which in a lot of ways I think was an unforced error. Um, the Melania-Trump speech fiasco, which an, another unforced error, albeit one made at the staff level, supposedly. And then finally, this conflict last night with Cruz. Putting all that in context, do you still think that the convention is giving Donald Trump what it needs at this point as he pivots to this final act tonight and his big speech? Thus far, I, I, I'll be honest, I, I think the convention uh, has been, how do I say this charitably? I mean, uh, I, I just don't, I, I don't think that this has been a good week for the Republican Party. Um, I think that you have a lot of delegates here, a lot of party officials here, a lot of donors, party loyalists, people who came to Cleveland nervous and confused and frustrated and looking for some ray of hope. Uh, look, looking for some sign that even though a guy who, most, who many of them did not support in the primary season would be able to pull the party together, would be able to sort of bridge some of these divides, would be able to heal some of the wounds, would be able to emerge from Cleveland with something closer to a united front and use Hillary Clinton as sort of the rallying point, right? And, and, and everybody here is opposed to her candidacy. Instead, we have seen all of those wounds uh, de- deepened, and we have seen those divides uh, grow deeper. And I, I just I, I can't possibly think, frankly, of a, of a 72-hour stretch that could have been worse for the Republican Party than, than what we've seen thus far. Now, all of that said, Donald Trump is the main attraction, and his speech tonight ha- has the potential to, I think, turn some of that around, or maybe, maybe much of it around. Um, but... Uh, there, there's there's an awful lot riding on what he says, and and you know if we're, if past his prologue, I think there's a lot of folks here who are very very nervous that Donald Trump is going to use his speech tonight as an opportunity to settle scores and you know and to sort of take on uh, some enemies of his in the media and in the Republican Party rather than to sort of focus his fire on Hillary Clinton and attempt to sort of rally the party behind him. So. A lot of this, I think, is going to depend what, you know, on, on Trump tonight and how he is received by the delegates here inside the hall. But if he doesn't do that, and if instead he knocks it out of the park, um, do you think he puts these negatives in, from the early days of the convention out of mind? I don't know that he puts them completely out of mind, but I think that maybe, you know, best case scenario is that he, he sort of pushes them to, to page two for the time being. Mm. Uh, look, you, you've got thousands of media here and you've got you know tens of thousands of republicans here and for the last three days all they've been talking about is is what a circus this has been and 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 how you know dysfunctional basically the the entire event has been so far Uh, i don't think any of that is just suddenly going to be erased with a stellar speech from donald trump but i do think that that a really great presentation from trump tonight would would certainly have the effect of uh, resetting the news narrative for you know the, the cycle for 24 hours or so, and and allow the Republican Party to go forth from Cleveland 
feeling a little bit better about itself than they do right now because this morning uh, the, the mood here is not good. It is, it is tense. It is morose. It is, as I said earlier, just confused. This mm-hmm. is a this is, there is a bit of an identity crisis here in Cleveland. You have a lot of Republicans who just do not know what to think about the party, about the party's nominee, about the future of the party, and it's just there is not a celebratory mood here at a convention, which is what you expect. Tim Alberta is the chief political correspondent for the National Review. Tim, hang on the line with us. There's somebody else I'd like to pull into this conversation who may help lend some perspective on whether or not he feels morose today or is is, is joyful. Saul Anuzis ran Ted Cruz's presidential campaign in Michigan. He's a former state party chair and he's also a GOP delegate in Cleveland this week. Saul, welcome back to the program. Thanks for returning this week. Great, great to be with you. So, Saul, I actually was thinking of you last night because you've been a, a very loyal Ted Cruz uh, flag-waving fan over this the course of this presidential campaign. Though this week earlier when you were on the program, you were starting to turn a little bit to party unity. I'm curious what your immediate reaction was to Mr. Cruz's speech last night. Well, I actually disagree with Tim, and I agree with what Trump and Newt had to say. I mean, Look, Trump made it very clear afterwards, and I think he was absolutely right, that this wasn't a big deal uh, with regards to the non-endorsement. I mean, Cruz made it very clear that uh, when he was invited that he wasn't uh, endorsing him publicly, wasn't going to be a prerequisite for being there. He called and followed up and let him know he wasn't going to endorse him. And uh, as Newt said, if you listen to what he says, if you actually read the text of the speech, uh, he talked about voting up and down the ticket based on people who stick to our principles. And I think he was trying to send a message on behalf of the conservative uh, delegates out there, on behalf of the people who are kind of the philosophical supporters uh, with regards to where uh, they ought to be, and that, you know, Trump is a populist. People are still have concerns. People still have uh, worries about whether or not this guy is going to stick to the principles that we're espousing here today. And I think that, at worst, this was a non-endorsement endorsement by Ted Cruz, who said, look, if this guy sticks to the principles that he outlined, he went out, he, he made but the Saul, case against Hillary. Saul, I don't mean I to cut you off, but to say that it wasn't a big deal, it was clearly a big deal to a lot of people in that arena. Sure. No, no, yeah. absolutely. I, I'm just saying I agree with Trump and Newt. I okay. mean, it was a big deal to a lot. Look, there, this isn't a, here's where I agree with Tim, and here's where I disagree with Tim. Yes, it was very emotional. There's a lot of people who wanted to move forward on this thing, would like to see us have a united party. Remember, most of those delegates on the floor, or at least all, all, most of the delegates on the floor are very conservative, and, and many of them, if not most of them, originally came in as Cruz supporters. And Cruz received a very warm welcome, but I think there was an expectation and a hope, especially amongst party leaders, that we unite and, if and where possible, you know, endorse, endorse Trump and move forward. Um, I've endorsed Trump. I'm going to support him. I voted for him on the floor. I think it's important for us as party leaders to pull this party together. And I think if you take a look at where this party started out when we were when we the first day we came to the convention to where we are today, I think we're I think we've moved significantly. I think you see a much more united party. Now, are there still divisions? Absolutely. Are there still concerns? There's no doubt. Uh, are there frustrations? Absolutely. But having said that, this has been a race with 17 candidates running. People got emotionally engaged and involved in this process. Lots of hard feelings, lots of things said by candidates that, you know, are going to be hard to take back. Not a whole lot of apologies, probably not as much reaching out and uh, coalescing and pulling people together as there should be. 
And therefore, it's, you know, maybe we're not as united as we have been in some of the past party, you know, past conventions. But I think that there was, you know, you take a look at what happened with Pence's speech. You take a look at some of these others. I mean, folks are pretty fired up. And right. Yeah. I think if Trump is smart, um, uh, you know, if I were him, I would move forward. I think that um, sure. you, know, you take a look at Twitter world and online stuff, it's pretty divided as to how people are reacting to what Cruz had to say. Yeah, Saul, it's an open secret that Ted Cruz is already planning his next campaign for president, perhaps as early as 2020. Did he advance his ambitions last night or did he set himself back? Uh, well, it depends. I mean, you know, it, it depends on how you want to look at it. I, I think that, you know, it's an open secret that there's probably 20 people looking at their future <laughs> ambitions to run for president. So, um, but, uh, you know, look, I, I, I kind of agree. Chris Eliza had an interesting analysis, and I think he's probably right. If if uh, Donald Trump wins, it was this was probably a bad night for Ted Cruz. If, if Donald Trump sure. loses, uh, it's probably a great night for Ted Cruz. Yeah. So, you know, we probably won't know those that answer until after this campaign is over. But, you know, I had a, I had a pretty prominent conservative from uh, Detroit text me last night who was very disappointed with the speech um, after he heard it on television. And then this morning he said, I actually reread it, and he was right on. Um, I think that's going to be, you know, a lot of people are starting to look a little deeper as to what it means. And, and I think Newt probably was shows kind of how astute he is politically. I mean, he came off the... You know, he came in right after the speech and actually listened to what Ted Cruz had to say and didn't get caught up in the emotion. The floor was a little bit different. I mean, people want to reunite. The party wants to unite. It's, it's who we are as activists, right? I mean, this is a, most of these people are folks who have been involved in the party for years, if not decades. And so when you don't have everybody coming together, even if it's not the perfect candidate, you know, Ted, you know or Donald Trump may not have been your first or second. He might have been your 17th choice. But we're a coalition. We've got to pull together as a party when it's all said and done with. And I think that's what most party people wanted to happen. Conservatives had a little different vision on that. Saul Anuzas, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Saul uh, ran Ted Cruz's presidential campaign here in Michigan. He's also the former state party chair, and he's a GOP delegate right now in Cleveland. Saul, thank you. With you guys. Thank you. Uh, so, Tim, now having heard Saul's reaction, um, still uh, hoping for some party unity there, um, looking, taking a more nuanced look at, at what Senator Cruz said, uh, is that the sort of tenor that uh, Donald Trump is going to have to hope to embrace or to, that message to sell to everybody who's still really upset? You know, the, the content of Cruz's speech uh, was fine for the most part. And I, actually, I, I thought it was one of one of his better speeches uh, that that he's delivered over over the course of the campaign. The problem, again, though, that, that a lot of people have is that, you know, think back to 2012 when Chris Christie got up on stage in Tampa and he delivered this long speech, and it was it was it was quite self-promotional. It it, it barely mentioned Mitt Romney. It, it it really did nothing to sort of vouch for Mitt Romney and to energize those in attendance and those watching from home to vote for him. And there was a lot of backlash there. And, and, and the Romney-Christie relationship was nothing like, you know, the Cruz-Trump relationship. These guys had not run against each other. Christie had endorsed Romney. So for, for, for Cruz to get up on stage last night, I mean, he was already sort of facing some headwinds in that regard because, you know, there, there are folks, as Saul said, who travel, who spent, you know, a lot of their own time and money over the last year working on behalf of the Republican Party, and then they spend a couple of grand to come here to Cleveland and get, you know, stay in the hotels and, and, and eat fancy meals. And these people 
are so invested in this stuff, and they're so invested in winning in November, they don't want to hear Ted Cruz promote himself. They don't want to hear Ted Cruz, see Ted Cruz, witness Ted Cruz launch his 2020 campaign, which for all intents and purposes he was doing last night. They want to see Ted Cruz do something to help the party in November and to help the party's nominee in November. And even though, you know, the senator did offer a couple of lines about, you know, don't stay home in November and you have a responsibility to, you know, to vote for people who uphold the Constitution and who promote our shared values, et cetera, et cetera, you know, all of that was sort of viewed through a lens of I'm not going to endorse Trump because for me, he does not uphold our values and he does not, you know, he does not, we do, we do not share uh, a common, a common goal uh, of preserving and, and protecting, you know, conservative ideological principles. So I think it was very difficult for people in the convention hall to sort of take this in a nuanced way. You, you use that word, Laura, nuance, and I respect Saul a great deal, but it's very, very difficult for people listening to that speech who are so invested in this process to hear, to pull to out hear the nuance. any of that with any yeah, nuance. Sure. Sure. Mm-hmm. It's just not how they're going to approach this. Tim Albertas, chief political correspondent for the National Review. Tim, we thank you so much for joining us this morning, especially on such little sleep. <laughs> no problem. Thanks, guys. <laughs> Thanks, all right. Tim. All right. Well, we'll talk to a communications expert next about what Donald Trump needs to say tonight to appear presidential, if he needs to appear presidential, and end talk of the controversy swirling around the convention. That's coming up next. <laughs> 